0: All right, everybody. Good. Well, we're recording it on a Tuesday, but good day to you, whatever it is you hear this. Mike and Kenton here, we are glad uh, that you have tuned in to yet another edition of Continuing the Conversation. Our hope for this time uh, is that it does a couple of things. It extends the weekend conversation into real life and into the work week, um, but it also gives you an opportunity to Um, and us an opportunity to explore some topics that normally we don't have time to cover on a weekend or things that the weekend uh, conversation raises that you'd love answers to. So we talked about Salt and Light. So, Mike, what is
1: it that you want to continue the conversation about when we're talking about Salt and Light? This is sort of one of those
0: pivotal passages. It is. And, and, you know, the first thing is we, we make it a Sunday school. Uh, kind of passage. This is the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. It's one of those that you can very easily turn into very simple moralism. We've got to just be nice people. And it's so much more profound than that. And one of the things of course, that Jesus does is he takes the job description of Israel and he applies it now to his disciples. So God has always, um, has always gathered around himself a people to put them on display. He calls them a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And he reminds them all throughout the the story that it's not because they're awesome that, uh, that he's put them on display and he's chosen them. And then when Jesus comes, of course, he does the same thing. He gathers around himself a community uh, and he puts them on display, takes this job description of Israel and he applies it to his disciples. So when he looks at this ragtag crew and says, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, I mean, it's kind of an epic moment where Jesus is calling out um, his followers to be uh, faithfully what Israel was sometimes and wasn't sometimes. And then that extends all throughout the, the New Testament. So even, you know, in passages like Peter, um, very directly language is used of the church that was used of Israel. So that's that's a huge thing. That's our job description. But the people that Jesus chooses... Um, as we looked at, are people that are, you know, a little slow, uh, sometimes afraid, sometimes get in the way, sometimes have an ego, uh, which makes room for all of us. Right. And that's the great news. That's right. We're all broken, wonderfully flawed people,
1: and he chooses us not because we're many or mighty, but we're wonderfully ordinary, just like the disciples. That's right. And you're ordinary, Mike. That's one of the things I like to affirm about you. You are wonderfully
0: ordinary. I am vanilla. If I were <laughs> an ice cream flavor, I would be vanilla. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'd be a lot of vanilla, but I'd be vanilla, So what
1: sure. does it mean for us to be this community today, in your mind? You know, what's the, what's the, what are some of the lessons from
0: that? that you like talking about? the uh, Well, the number one, it's the balance of engagement and distinctiveness. So salt, for it to be effective, has to be engaged uh, and whatever it's, it's to be in for it to work. And light, of course, th- stands out from the environment around it. And so you have this combination of both that, that were to be distinctive yet engaged. You also have one of the things we talked about at Mission Viejo is the idea that we carry... Uh, we're to live with an awareness that we carry the name of Jesus. And one of the things I talked about that I know you can relate to is you're recognized uh, because I've worked at large churches because, you know, you've been here for, for 25, almost 30 years. Um, in pastoring, we get recognized, and we don 't have the luxury of being anonymous and and taking all the shortcuts that are available and there 's this sense that I think salt and light invites us into that same posture, the awareness that I carry the name of Jesus everywhere and it 's not perfection that he 's after it 's just faithfulness and authenticity and honesty that he 's looking for but 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 one of the things that we did. Was just to remind the Lone Rangers among us that it was a community Jesus invites us into. And also for people that have been burned by the church. I mean, it's the very imperfection of the church that uh, Jesus uses to display his glory. And that doesn't justify it. Right.
1: And the church can't help, because it's wonderfully human, to hurt. And that's one of the things that drives people away. I got hurt. The church shouldn't hurt me. That's right. And yet, it is this wonderful expression of Jesus in the world, and it has its human side, broken side, and we've got to work to build community. What was your encouragement
0: along those lines? Well, I just, I wanted to talk to people that have something against the church and to say, uh, would you be open to letting go of that grudge, that uh, bitterness? I think... Uh, any number of people can say, you know, I was hurt by this person, judged, I was excluded. I mean, the, the list of catalog, the catalog of sins is pretty long. But there's also this sense that this is the way God in, in, in his sovereignty decided for it to be, a community of imperfect people that put him on display so that the imperfect people can't point to their own strength and their own glory and their own moral goodness. But really the only explanation for the good that comes out of it is the presence of God. So uh, w- part of what we did was just invite people to lay down those, those their rights to, you know, justice or punishment or anger or bitterness and to re-engage in what it is God's been up to the whole time. Gathering a people around himself who are all in process and who are all imperfect. And we learn to love, we learn to be humble, we learn to be giving. We, at the same
1: time when we do that, become the very people that we want to be. But that idea of salt and community, I love the picture of George Bailey in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And that idea of here was a guy who... You know, he had a home savings and loan. He tried to help people get into their to their first home. He's a loving guy. If they can't make the payments, he's working for it. But in the story, he gets to the place where he says, I wish that I never lived. And then in the movie, you get this great opportunity to see... He gets to see what would life have been if he never lived. And he comes back and there's brutality and hostility and selfishness. And there's severe uh, poverty in this town in Bedford Falls. And it gives a beautiful picture of what a life can do. And really that's what God calls us to do together in community. We build community so that humanity can flourish. It isn't just right. humanity for humanity's sake or a loving community. For a loving community. That's sake. right. We want to be a loving community that, that provides an opportunity for humanity to flourish. And so as salt, we move into the world where we stand against the evil. We resist evil. And I love that conversation because... There's lots of simple, practical ways that we could do it. We both that's talked right. about that, and then you know, even today, as we heard story time, you hear the stories of you know people who try to do good in their world and they do good and it really causes humanity to flourish. It yeah. works when we work together
0: as community that's right and and Of course, from a a biblical point of view, the horizontal and the vertical can never be separated. So loving God and loving neighbor, same thing, said two different ways. And I think as American Christians, our temptation is to think it's just me and Jesus. And when I'm in a small group and they're not all like me and it's not easy to just run away and find some people who are just like I am. And so there's a lot packed into that you know, three short verses in the book of Matthew. And one question I have for you is, is it true that you actually saw It's a Wonderful Life when it was released in the theater? <laughs> yeah, I it heard was the for, for
1: original audience. Yes,
0: absolutely. In That was even
1: before my time. The <laughs>
0: that's wow. true. Yeah, that's an old movie. Um, we uh, We do have a question that sits before us that I think is a great one that has to do um, with prayer. So Kent, why don't you tee that up? All right.
1: What's the point of praying? They ask, uh, when I pray, what does it even mean that I'm praying? I communicate to God throughout the day. You know, is it about being on your knees? Uh, is the anguish of the soul with no words, even prayer? Is that somehow mystically transmitted into prayer? This person's saying, you know, I'm just, it might seem silly, but I'm asking the question, what is prayer? And then the second question is, what is the point?
0: Yes. And, and it, it seems like there are um, a couple of ways to go at it. I mean, prayer at its most basic is talking and listening to God. It's a, it's a very relational concept. And it's really different from the other world religions. Um, Of course, Christianity isn't a religion in its purest form from Jesus, and we've talked about that. But it is this conversational awareness that I live in um, where I go before God to praise and to adore and to confess and to ask and to thank Um, And at the same time, I also listen. And the nice thing about the Bible's teaching on prayer is there's no one set form that it takes. Sometimes Paul will talk about um, uh, an inner uh, sort of awareness of God's presence or or a still small voice, as Isaiah puts it. Or other times, it's very formal. You know, the Lord's Prayer was a very formal uh, uh, condensation of 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 a Jewish formal prayer. Uh, called the Amadah. there was this. Uh, there was the sense that if formally they did it three times a day, informally they would do it throughout the day just to bless God and thank Him. And so, um, you have this great range of what counts as prayer. There isn't in the Bible this narrow definition of okay, this is prayer and this is not. If you say in Jesus' name, or if you say, "Hey, I'm praying now," as opposed to some other time. Uh, and then, and then, what's the point? Ken, I'd love your thoughts on this, but I'm firmly convinced that uh, the Bible teaches God does, doesn't does do some things because his people haven't prayed for it. When James looks at the community that he's writing to and says, you have not because you ask not, um, I think there's just a really profound lesson in there. That in God's sovereignty, and he is sovereign over everything that has nothing to do with uh, his sovereignty, it has everything to do with him inviting us to be participants in the bringing about of his kingdom. And for me, I absolutely believe that prayer affects things. I think God set it up so that prayer affects things, that there are things that God will only do when he's asked to do. There are other things, obviously, of course, that he does regardless of when anyone asks.
1: Well, let's take three steps back, cut it a little different way. Prayers, relationship. And so, in relationship, uh, talking is a critical part of relationship. And I don't talk with my wife always because I've thought it all through. A lot of times, talking is about finding what I think right. and what I believe. And I come to a point, and Lori's always asking me, talk to me about this. I want to know. And as a guy, it's a struggle to talk sometimes because I feel like I'm using up my words. But <laughs> But this sense of... As I talk it out, I learn about myself. And that idea that you're talking God doesn't do some things, because sometimes it I'm not in the place to even know what to ask for. I'm not in a place to understand what's going on, because I haven't spent the time to break myself apart or to understand what is it that I'm thinking? Why am I afraid of this? Uh, What am I concerned about in my life? And talking about my concerns or my fears, giving voice to them, Mm -hmm. talking to God— I go on a journey where I learn something about myself. And then I get to the place where I can ask something. And if I didn't spend the relational time to understand myself, I never would have asked. And it is God values that journey for myself. Then in asking then he, then I respond and I get to see God's hand. If God were just to fix it without my awareness and without my coming to ask, then I wouldn't see how great God is. I wouldn't see how powerful he is. I wouldn't see the size of my problem, and I wouldn't see how great God is. So some of what prayer is, it, it really is what you were saying, Mike. It is such a relational journey that if I... You know, God knows everything. What does he need to know? I'm not going to tell him anything he doesn't know, obviously, but I don't know it, and I go through it, and it's a part of the thrill of life, living in relationship with God to talk through things, to be honest, to be frustrated, and then there's answers, but until I ask the question, I am not going to get the answer from the Bible, from God the things that I'm concerned about. And so then, as you talk about, well, there's things that God doesn't do. Well, of course he doesn't because we'd be blind to him, We wouldn't see them. Right. We don't learn what it is that we, we need to learn. So prayer is this vital conversation. We talk through things. You know, I love the passage, you know, where Paul talks about there's sometimes that we have things that where we groan. We can't right. even put it into words. And there's it's, there are times that I sit before God going, ugh, because it's like, why did <laughs> I do me. that? Why totally. do I do that? Why did I do that? Right. But even in the question, there is an answer. Why did I do that? Right. And once I, I ask that, I can start to, as time goes, I can find an answer to why I did it. You know, I did right. it because you know what, I'm locked up in a certain thing or I'm seeing it wrong. And then God begins to move me at that. So
0: it is this relational journey. It is absolutely a relational journey. And central to the Hebrew understanding of prayer is that there isn't, there aren't marked off areas that are considered sacred and everything else is secular or that there are some parts that are considered spiritual and other parts aren't spiritual. There was the sense that all of life is lived in the presence of God. So Paul will say as a good Jewish man, pray without ceasing and for, and for, uh, him to say that with the, the, the kind of upbringing he 'd had in the Hebrew worldview that he 'd inherited makes total sense because there there weren 't segments of religious or not religious sacred versus secular, and so everything was fodder for prayer so so marinating in the reality of life as i 'm driving as i 'm watching television, not that I do that only football, <laughs> um, although my wife watches very evil shows <laughs> squirrel. Um, for those who fans of the movie Up, that was a comment on ADD. Uh, but there is this sense that, that their, their worldview was just immersed. Everything is dripping with God's glory if you sit in it long enough. And so I love the idea of what you're saying, that there are times we just come before God and I don't say... A word. It's yeah. almost like I'm, I'm processing feelings before
1: it. You know, you just said, Paul said, pray without ceasing. My wife says the same thing to me all the time. Just talk to me
0: about this. Right. Same thing. And it's a discipline. <laughs> it is. And it's a joy. Both that's at the right. same time. It's never something that's to be a handicap or it's something that's an obligation. So are women
1: better at praying?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Seems like it. They're sure better at talking. You know, I'm not going to touch that. You can send your questions to Shore <laughs> at marinerschurch.org. Oh, you big sissy. Yes, absolutely. All right. Brothers and sisters, we bless you. Please send your questions to us. We love uh, hearing from you and what God's doing in the community. So thank you. God bless.